Thank you all for coming. Today we are going to be reading from chapters 19 and 20 in Proverbs. Um, for those who um, haven't been following the, in the first time, welcome. For those, uh, as a quick summary, Proverbs is all about how to gain an understanding of God in your life and with and see him within creation okay um and so the whole idea behind it is being able to make right decisions and right choices the first part of proverbs from chapter one to chapter nine are written as long letters okay um of a of, of a father and of lady wisdom okay and and in chapter nine it kind of culminates to see that wisdom is actually uh, jesus christ himself then um the middle section of Proverbs is a collection of Solomon's teachings. Yeah, we have, bro. Come. Can, can you restart? And... No, it's okay. I'm recording. We're recording here. Are you recording? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, just, uh, I'll be back in one second. No stress, bro. Um, uh, the middle section is about um, a collection of Solomon's teachings. So Solomon had thousands and thousands of teachings. This is just a small collection. Of his sayings and throughout these sayings you're going to see all, everything about contrast it's uh, righteousness versus uh, a life of sin foolish versus the wise okay and it's always about two decisions two paths to walk walk on and then the last two chapters are two final letters okay which we're going to get to hopefully by the end of Lent um, and so let's start we'll start from reading chapter 19 uh, two four six of us about 30 verses, so let's read five verses each. Okay, Dave, you want to start? Name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Chapter 19, verse 19. Verse yeah, I know, I was making yeah. sure the page is right. Yeah. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse, perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. The foolishness of the man of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Many, uh, many entreat the favor of the nobility. Uh, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. He who, do, who, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favour is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he is, who is careless of his ways will die. 
who he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back when he is given. Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment, for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Listen to counsel and receive instruction, then you may be wise in your later days. There are many plans in a man's heart, nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl, and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will become wary. Rebuke one who has understanding, and he will discern knowledge. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Cease listening to instruction, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. A disreputable witness scorns justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Glory be to God for every amen. So, um, in this chapter, um, are there any verses which kind of pop out to you that that kind of resonated in your heart a bit? Are there any? Is there anything where you thought, "Wow, that that's really nice," or "That's interesting," or the opposite? Are there any verses here where you thought, "What does this mean? I don't get what he's trying to say here." I like verse four. Verse four. Yeah. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. Uh, why do you like that? It's um very relevant to just real life and current day mm -hmm. and more like like you said before poor in spirit and poor in riches like they're not tempted by as much they've got a much simpler life and they can live a life closer to God mm. um, St. Evagrius um he said something beautiful about this verse. He says, um, Richness of knowledge brings us many angels. Okay? Richness of knowledge brings us many angels. And he continues to say, Abraham, he gave an example, Abraham, rich in his knowledge, offered the mystical table to his friends who appeared to him in the middle of the day. Okay? Which was Christ himself with the two angels when they, when they appeared to him and, and he provided them food. Um, and so here, I really like that because it shows like richness in spirit versus rich, richness on earth kind of thing. Where when we focus on, on the richness of, of our soul, okay, on the treasures of heaven, um, the heavenly is, is who you're surrounded by. And I thought that was really, really nice. What other verses popped out? Mm -hmm. So luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. What, why, why do you like that? Luxury uh, is not fitting for a fool. Or, or even yeah. just that first half. Yeah, that first half. Yeah. yeah, what do you think of that first half? Um, it just adds on to this point about um, it being really uh, relevant mm. these days. Yeah, I think I think especially these days where our focus is all about luxury. Get a job. Yeah. yeah. Who's got a better car? Who's got a better house? You know, 
and and it, it's a really competitive world that we're living in now, and and Seriously. that's and that's our, and that's our focus. And it's hard living in this world and not being consumed by that. Okay, and not thinking, okay, I need to save up because I need to get a house, otherwise I'm not going to be able to get a house, and I need to get, I need to get a, a better car because all my friends are buy, buy, getting all these other cars. Where am I still driving? Whatever I'm driving, whatever, right? Um, I kind of read this as well and kind of match it to um, what Christ was saying about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, throughout uh, Proverbs, what you're going to see is when you see the word fool or wise, you can kind of equate them to being sinful or being righteous. Okay, um, And so being rich while having a sinful life is, is very difficult. Okay, luxury is not fitting for a fool. Having luxuries and living a sinful life is not a good combination. Um, so, one word that I want to keep repeating over and over is discernment. Okay, so luxury, having worldly riches without discernment, okay, is where you can fall into this trap of sin. Okay. And not only from a greed point of view, but also, uh, and we're going to see this in chapter 20, when it comes to drinking or fornication or whatever, or, or living luxuriously. And to be honest, when we look at King Solomon's life, okay, where we're talking about where he was able to take like the agriculture of the country, which they were, like, they were all farmers around this time, and then he was able to turn it into like massive economic growth, like making deals with, with Egypt, um, David had already previously done that with the Hittites in Syria. So like, he just grew the economy of Israel massively. And when you talk about luxury, like Solomon didn't pump all that money back into the people. Nah, he lived in style. All right? And it, he talks about it in, Ecclesi in Ecclesiastes, okay, when he comes to, towards the end of his life. Um, and he says, uh, um, vanity is vanity, all is vanity. All right? And he's talking about all the vanities of the world. And all the things where he thought he could fulfill, get satisfaction, luxury was one of them. And he said it was just like chasing the wind. It didn't give him anything. Okay? So it, it's very fitting for Solomon to talk about this because out of everyone on this planet, he was probably the one that lavished the most, that had the most lavish lifestyle. What other ones? Isn't that beautiful? There are many plans in a man's heart, nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. Verse 21. What do you think that means? Or why, why do you like that? Deep. Yeah, it's deep. Let, let's try to dig a bit deeper that it's deep. <laughs> <laughs> God's will and guidance, and guidance will always like push through. They'll always be like the constant. It will always be there. Well, we might have things in our life that, you know, our plans, but they're always changing. Mm. Isn't that what it's kind of reaching at? Yeah. I think it Keep also going. shows like our limited view of life, whereas God has the big picture of everything. Mm. It reminds me of that verse that's like, um, do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, no, it's like trust the Lord. Trust the Lord and do not lean. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. 
So with this one, it's, it's important not to fall into the trap about um, understanding this verse as, um, as predestination or like God's in control of us, right? Where it talks about the Lord's counsel that will stand. That's not talking about him determining what happens to you. Because he gave us free will, it's our choice. Okay, he doesn't determine where we end up. He, he's given us the choice of, of, of what to do with our lives and where, what we ultimately choose, to love him or not. Okay? But uh, exactly like what Jono was saying was that God's love for us is constant and God's knowledge, God's understanding of the big picture is constant. So when our um, thoughts are grounded in the counsel of the Lord, right? That when there are many plans in a man's heart, when that's grounded in the counsel of the Lord, that's where truth and wisdom grow and have their virtues. Okay? And that's kind of like, that's where the Lord's counsel stands. All right? Because his truth is forever. Right? But he doesn't determine what you do. Does that make sense? But then in that case, wouldn't everything doesn't it, doesn't it does though and wh whether it's good things or bad things it's because of mankind's decisions all right i'll give you an example let's say i'm a, a good going christian i worship god all that jazz right but then i go into a car accident and my child dies in that accident now that's not things going my way is it right and that's not by my choice because I'm following God, right? But this drunk guy that decided to have drinks and then get behind the wheel, that was his choice to do that. And there are consequences to, their act, to his actions, right? With every, with every action, there's always a consequence, an earthly one and a heavenly one, okay? And that's all of us combined, not just individually, all right? So, um, and we're going get, to get into it when we get to verse 20, but it talks about like, Things, things like when we blame God, but really it's on us, okay? So it's always man's will that wins out, but it's God's will that is constant because he, his love is unchanging for us. Does that make sense? I like verse uh, 15. Mm. Reasonous cast one into deep sleep and an idle person suffer hunger. Mm. Solomon talks a lot about laziness and the, and, and the sin of laziness and, and the effects of it, okay? We don't often think about laziness as a sin, do we? We just think, ah, oh, lazy, all right? But it's actually sinful, do you know? Like time-wasting? Yeah, yeah, the idleness of it. And so uh, I always remember this one when, when I'm... So like one of my favourite verses. What do you mean by laziness? Yeah, so this is what it means by laziness. Um, there's a verse in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 6. A little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the, of the hands to rest, so will poverty come. Okay? And I always think about this because um, I think of a story that I, that I heard of, I think, St. Anthony. It's either St. Anthony or St. Paul, where they went out into the desert 
okay, and they were focusing on their prayers and, and their fasting, etc. But then he said, okay, now what do I do? Uh, he was that angry. He's like from boredom. Right. So then the angel appeared to him, okay, and he's, uh, like, as he was walking, uh, there was an angel there by, by some trees. Just as you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These people are flying much higher than where we are. All right. But then he, he saw the angel weaving a basket, right? And then the angels told him, do like me also. And so he started weaving baskets. Okay, and he started working, okay, not being, not being idle with his hands. He started working to then sell, that, to sell the baskets, get money, get, it, get bread, whatever, and then give whatever else to the poor. And so God doesn't like a lazy person. The same way that he brought Noah, all right, and he said, build me an ark, okay? And he had to go and, and build it, right? Um, the same way like Joseph, okay, who throughout all his tribulations worked his butt off, didn't he? Okay, he, 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 like, he, he, he was great at his job as a shepherd, okay? And then his, his brothers threw him in, in a well. He became a servant. He was a great servant. I don't even know how you can be a great servant, but he was a great servant. And Potiphar, like, let him lead his household, all right? Then his wife lied, got him thrown into prison. He was a great prisoner. Then he started taking care of all the prisoners because of his hard-working attitude. God loves a hard worker. Laziness here, and not only here, but I'll generalize it, is having the ability and opportunity to do good and not doing it. That's being lazy. All right, so the way that I am, sitting on my phone, playing games, lazy. Sitting, vegging in front of a TV and calling in my mind, switch off time. Yeah, we need, we need some time, like there, there's a time for everything. But what I'm talking about is my excessiveness of that, my Netflix binging, wasting time, lazy. Okay? Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, laziness of their spiritual life. Yeah? So when, when we're happy with where we are, all right, and when we're asleep in what we're calling spiritual warfare, if you're asleep in the middle of a war, do you think you're going to live through that? You're not. You're going to be shot down pretty quickly. Jesus slept in the storm. Sorry? No, just <laughs> <laughs> An idle person will suffer hunger, spiritual hunger, right? They're not, they're not getting the living water. They're not getting the bread of life. Yeah. Laziness with our sacramental life. All right, being asleep with our sacramental life. Not taking confession seriously. Not being regular with our communion, with Holy Communion. I don't think we understand fully the power of Holy Communion if we're not taking it regularly every week. We're not understanding the power of confession and knowing that our sins are wiped away freely. He's already paid that debt. Right? One that he didn't owe, we owed it, and he paid it. And for us not to be thankful for that 
and not taking that seriously, that's lazy. Does that make sense? So does God expect us to be doing good all day, every day? So like, where do you draw the line between like just enjoying your time and mm -hmm. that being a sin to enjoy your time? Do you get what I'm trying to I do. And let me answer you. Uh, where does it talk about... Mm. Let me look this up one second because I don't know where this comes from. I want to say Hebrews. Um, there's a verse in the Bible. Galatians, sorry. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Let me get this for you real quick. Um, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. As long as you have an opportunity to do it, you should be doing it. Right? That's, that's the bar. Which is all the time. That's the bar. Mm. I'm so sorry, can you say that again? Always opportunity. Yeah. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are, in, who are of the household of faith. Okay? It says especially to those of the household of faith. The reason why is you can't expect to do good to people outside if you're not doing it inside. Okay? I can't expect to... Um, lead people outside if I can't even lead my own family kind of thing and that's the reason why Christ even uh, when he sent out the disciples right, he said first, first preach here in Jerusalem then go out to the world start here start at your home then go out there's a wisdom in that any other ones before we move on? A man of great wrath will suffer punishment for if you rescue him you will have to do it again. What do you think that means? What do you guys think of that one? Alright, so when you're angry you're kind of impulsive, right? So you usually do things that you regret. Okay? And the punishments here are not only talking about like if you're angry and you hit someone you're going to kill them or like physical harm and you go to jail and, and you've got a punishment like there's there's that kind of consequence but then there's also the, the internal consequences right so like external consequence i'll call that like whatever fine jail lose a friend out external internal is is that regret that that um that eats you inside okay um and it says, for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Why do you think he says that? Why do you think he says that? Because I'll keep falling into the trap and you'll have to keep. Mm. If, it, they, if they allow themselves to get to that point, then they have kind of no uh, willpower or like control. 
Mm. And so they're going to continually go to that point. Yeah. And I think when it comes to um, anger, again, without discernment, anger without discernment, all right, you can be, like, being angry is a natural thing. And it's a normal thing. It's normal for us to get angry. It's not wrong, all right? But it's how you use that anger. It's how you use that emotion. Anger without discernment, okay, is, is where, you're, where you're just going to be going into this same problem again and again and again, okay? And I'll say this is probably highlighted most, I would say, in marriage as well, okay? Where anger without discernment is a continuing cycle of a problem, okay? And it gets worse and worse and worse, okay? But you can have anger with discernment. Okay, you can be angry about something and use that passion for good. Okay? You can be angry about a crappy policy at work and do something about it. You can be angry with a friend and use that passion to get closer and, and, and help grow, it, grow with each other. Okay? Um, anger is something that actually comes up a lot in Proverbs as well. Um, I think it came up again in 12, like the king's wrath is like like a roaring lion, but his favor is like the jewel of the grass, okay? Where anger can do a lot of destruction and a lot of harm like a roaring lion, okay? But when, when you're in his favor, when, when, you're, when there's kindness, it's like this picturesque kind of feeling, like dew on grass, it, it, there's a beauty, okay? Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, things that go through anger throughout, throughout all of Proverbs. Um, and you can very much link this to, to James, okay? The book of James. James chapter 1, right? says, um, be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, okay? And then in chapter 3, it talks about the taming of the tongue, okay? And how difficult it is to tame the tongue especially when you link that to anger. Okay, let's read chapter 20. Dave, back to you. You are there. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The wrath of the king is like the roaring of a lion whoever provokes him to anger sins against his, life, his own life it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel the lazy man will not plow because of winter he will beg during harvest and have nothing counsel in the heart of man counsel in the heart of man is like deep water that a man of understanding will draw it out most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Diverse ways, uh, weights and diverse measures. They are both alike an abomination to the Lord. 
Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. It is good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasts. There is gold and multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Take the garment of one who is surety. surety for a stranger, and hold is it, is it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Breed gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. Plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one flatters with his lips. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. An inheritance gained <coughs> at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. A man's steps are of the Lord. How, can, how then can a man understand his own way? It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterwards to reconsider his vows. Jono? A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings a fresh, threshing wheel over them. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by love, loving kindness he upholds his throne. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their great head. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Glory be to God forever, amen. It's the same kind of question. What kind of pops out to you? What don't you understand? That last verse. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil. It describes the inner depths of the heart. What do you guys think that means? This is actually one of my favourite verses in this chapter. Is that referring to um, life discipline? Yeah. What about it? So when you, like, like as do strikes, for example, like when you're disciplined, so like, mm -hmm. you know, when we were young, our parents might have hit us or whatever, but then it cleanses. So, like, you learn from it, you turn out to be a good person from it. Is that what it's trying to get at? Yeah. So, the same way that God says, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, right? And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Um, and then he talks about, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they are gathered and thrown then into the fire and they are burned, right? Um, now... Firstly, it, like the idea is God being the vine dresser, he takes care of the vines, okay? And the way that he does that, if you want to grow in a virtue, like if I want to grow in patience, as an example, and I'm praying for God to give me patience, and that's something very wise to ask of God, and ask and you shall receive, Better get ready because you're going to have a lot of trouble coming your way, right? Because that's how God teaches us, okay? If 
if I'm praying to God and I tell him, teach me to be less angry, and that's a wise thing to ask for. Ask and you shall receive. Get ready for it. It's going to be a hailstorm coming your way and things that are going to be driving you insane because that's how God teaches us. Okay. Now, when we're talking about discernment and wisdom, okay, where it comes to this, this verse in particular, um, God is one that is a loving father. And a loving father doesn't let their children go astray. Okay? This one I do know is from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Okay? So... What this one talks about blows that hurt, cleanse away evil. All right, these are blows of chastisement to put us on the right path. Okay, as the stripes, the inner depths of the heart. He's not talking about something for the outside, it's the inside. Okay, and that's what God ultimately cares for. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the heart, right? That's what they said about David, yeah? When, when Samuel was going to anoint, uh, anoint um, uh, David and uh, Jesse brought his oldest son who was a handsome guy, big, muscly. And God said, nah, he's not the right one. I don't look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. Give me the scrawny, the scrawny little kid. Right? He's going to be the next kid. And so stripes of the inner heart are talking about the chastisement of our hearts when we're doing wrong. And we've got to be open to what the Holy Spirit says. Okay? Um, we have to be those people that are not the, the scoffers. All right? And we don't take criticism well. We need to be able to hear what people are saying. All right? You judge that against truth. Is what they're saying true? Is this a point of growth? And you'll always see that people with wisdom are able to grow from, from criticism. Okay? I really like how verse 17. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Why do you like that? Um, more that, like everything that we do in life that is maybe taking shortcuts or... Um, unfairly like it might feel good at the time like a feel, feeling of winning but it's kind of like what you said like the aftertaste it's that feeling of regret and yeah like deep down it hurts mm. and what if you get caught out so like you might do something you might you know you might be successful because you're you know doing shortcuts mm. but then say you get caught by you know the law or whatever and then you get thrown into prison right and, and it's, it's both, really. Because, like we were saying before, every action has an internal consequence and an external consequence. Um, I actually had this conversation with one of our, uh, one of our Sunday school kids um, where we were talking about um, like how the world today is turned into a very self-centred world. 
It's funny, I came actually across a, a Facebook post today. You know how all the, all the toilet paper and whatever's going out because of, of, of coronavirus. Uh, there was a post to say, did you say this one? It was about um, uh, a girl that was in line and behind yeah. them... She's right, with the little girl. No. The little oh. girl, the mum with the little girl. No, it was, it was, it was a senior with, with his carer. Right, who came who came to do like his bi weekly shopping. That was the only time that he actually goes to the shops and there was no toilet paper for him. Oh, I think I did see this. And and the post was saying because we're all bloody selfish, okay. we're not thinking of the people who really need this, who who can't go out all the time. We're living in a very self centered world. And I was talking to someone about this, um, because we were we were arguing, is it is it a problem to do bad with the intention of doing good, like a Robin Hood kind of thing, or like an Aladdin, steal the apple to give to, a, to, a, to an orphan, right? And what we were talking about is the, the concept of being self-centered versus God-centered, okay? Um, and the... the the end doesn't justify the means. It doesn't. Right? Just because I intend to, to do good, I wanted to take my friend home because he was drunk, so I stole someone else's car. That's not, that's not, that's not right. You know what I mean? Pretty brave. Creative. Yeah, creative thinker. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Verse number nine as well. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin? Oh, let it be assured that to do no wrong is really superhuman and belongs to God alone. Mm. Um, we're all sinners, we're all in need of salvation. Right. Um, because of that, though, it's important to keep something in mind. Judge not that you be not judged. Right? For with what judgment you judge, you will also be judged. It's something to keep in mind because sure the like we can think of that as well and think yeah i'm a sinner i'm a sinner but how easy it is for us to pluck the little speck out of someone else's eye and we don't see the plank in our own how easy is that this is a good reminder uh, a, a good self-checking point because we, we say that the um the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? And we, and we speak about the fear of God not only being a, a, a reverence, but understanding that the Almighty who created everything loves me. And He created me in this world because He loves me. And He has this whole fabric of life, all right, which He has planned for me to enjoy, to enjoy His creation. And doing all this, he chose to die for me because of all the wrongdoing that I do. And so that fear of the Lord 
is a deep love for him and and being able to humbly go to his go to his feet and say everything that i am is because of you right and so who can say i've made my heart clean i'm pure from my sin is is a humbling point to think about not not only because i'm a sinner have mercy which is extremely important but taking a step back the only time you're going to be able to get to that realization is through humility to be able to see your own faults right i like that one as well what is um um the verse weights yeah, I was just about to ask that. Mm. Stroll, oh my God, <laughs> literally took the words out. So, diverse weights and diverse measures. Do you know what he's talking about there? And he says Any idea? In, in, in 23. 23. Yeah. Right, so back in the day, the way that they used to measure stuff is they used to put it on a scale, right? And so you'd have your weights on one side to say this is 500 grams a kilo. So you kind of compare All right. Mm. And then you can compare it to grains or to whatever. All right. Now, diverse weights means I'm saying this is 500 grams, but I've got the back pocket 500 grams, which is really 200 grams, right? And I'm going to pay you less for it because of this. All right. Diverse, diverse weights, and the same with diverse measures for fabric or whatever, um, is is a way of frauding people. Okay. I've got a whole number of different weights, diverse weights. I've got a diversity of weights to be able to cheat you. And I've got the diversity of, of, of lengths to, che to cheat you. What verse is it? 10? 10 23. All right. So basically, th what this is basically saying is lying. If you're lying, if you're cheating, that's an abomination to the Lord. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And his way is truth, and that is constant. And it's unchanging. So you going against truth... You're going to lie. He hates that. That's not something that God is pleased with. All right? And cheating, kind of like similar to, to the bread and, and gravel situation, but cheating to give yourself a, an up on someone else, that's, that's what this verse is particularly going for. All right? Where... You're, you're, bring, you're, you're bringing someone down and bringing yourself up. But lies in general, all right? And the, the idea of going against truth, going against justice, um, these are all things um, going against honesty, all right? These are all things which come up m multiple times to say this is an abomination to the Lord, all right? He hates it. He hates a liar. And it's funny because during his um, trial, right? Um, Peter. Not Peter, but all these false witnesses were coming up and saying all these, all these false testimony against him. And he stayed silent, didn't he? Right? And he knew everything was a lie. Okay? But he stayed silent. He endured it. Why do you think he did that? If, if he hates it so much, okay, I am truth, okay, or I am light, and, and, and there's just darkness coming my way. It, like, th these two things don't compute, okay? Why do you think he stayed silent? Because he knew 
Isn't that like the definition of love your enemies? Isn't that the definition of cover, or like love covering sin? You know what I mean? Isn't that the definition of doing good whenever possible? Even at a time where you're being attacked and vulnerable and being spat on and beaten? That's the wisdom of the Lord there. That's the wisdom of the Lord. Being able to choose to do the right thing even when you're being wronged. Right? That that's that discernment part. Mm. Turn the other cheek, right? Matthew chapter five. Verse 18. Plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. What do you think that means? This was a tricky one for me too. And to be honest, there's not much written about this verse that I could find. I do need to dig deeper for it. Um, I think, I think um, we were actually talking to Father Shimuda about the church's stance on war. And um, basically, kind of what he said was that, like, the church isn't against war if it's for defending the country, like, if it's not the first to go about the attack. Um, and so, like, I think this is kind of just playing on that. Um, but wise counsel wage war. And, like, also thinking about the costs of not going to war or the costs of not defending the country. That could be one way. Could war in this... In this the spiritual be, sense? Yeah, be a mm. war against sin. Mm. Plans are established by council. If we think about this from a spiritual sense, all right, you have to have a plan for your spiritual life. The same way that you have plans in your regular life, okay, I'm going to study hard so I can get into this degree to be able to get this job because I want to work as this this thing and I want to be able to achieve these things you've got this plan set out and they always tell you okay have a have a short-term plan and a long-term plan and see and you, you have to be able to measure yourself through and have your key milestones that you can measure against success right if you've got that on your regular life why on earth do we not have this for for your spiritual life you should have your spiritual plan all right and have your goals set out and and have your milestones so you can measure against yourself okay and and see where you want to go with it your spiritual life should not be fluffy, right? So then if it says, if we think of it that way, plans are established by counsel, by counsel of your confession father, right? And you work with your confession father to be able to put your plans together. Let's say if I really suck at reading the Bible and my plan is to be really good at it, all right? I'm not just going to wake up one day and say, okay, now I'm going to read the whole Bible from start to finish. I'm setting myself up for failure, right? All right, so I've got to go with wise counsel. Okay. Um, wise counsel wage war. If we're thinking of this from a spiritual sense, it's kind of like acknowledging that, okay, I've been asleep. I've been lazy. Okay, and I've gotten counsel and we've put a plan together. Um, there's something really nice Father Mark uh, did to my wife. Okay, after she got baptized, the very first thing he said was, 
get ready, the war is now going to begin. Okay, the war is going to start. Okay, now you've been consecrated for God. You're now in the bullseye, you're the target, right? You're in the war. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not believe it, you're in the war. Okay? So by wise counsel, wage war. Because your spiritual life is exactly that. And it's someone, it's between two, two groups. And I say this every single week. There's someone there to steal, kill and destroy you. And there's one to give you life and give it more abundantly. Okay? In everything you do, in every choice that comes your way, in every, everything that you do in everyday life. Okay? There's someone there to steal, kill and destroy you. And there's one there to give you life and give it abundantly. And arrows are flying in every direction. Okay? And you're not in the middle. Okay? You're not in the middle just being collateral damage. You're in this. Okay? You've got your armor there. St. Paul talks about it. Okay? Now, whether you wear it and whether you use the Word of God as, as, as your weapons and whether you, you use your fast to grow in virtue, which the devil hates, okay, when, when you grow in something, okay? Um, St. Macarius, um, he, the devil used to appear to him, okay? And... The devil came to him one time and said, you know what? You fast, I fast 10 times more than you. You pray, I can pray 10 times more than you. There's one thing that you do I can't come to. He said, what is it? He said, your humility. He grew in his humility so much in virtue that the demons couldn't go near him. Okay? And, he, and the demons hated him for it. Okay? Now let me put on the flip side. There's this story it just says a monk, a monk um, uh, had this vision, okay? And it was a vision where uh, it was a devil's gathering, okay? And they, they were gathering it, uh, to the prince of demons. And he said to them, okay, um, tell me, what did you do this week? And this guy said, oh, um, I broke up uh, uh, a family. And he goes, all right, this demon, give him 50 lashes. He didn't do enough. Okay, and then uh, the next one said, uh, "I came and I, uh, I uh, was able to destroy uh, a country. I got countries fighting with each other." Said, "All right, throw him into prison. He didn't do enough." Okay. Then another one came. Said, "What did you do?" He goes, "I've been fighting with this monk for twenty years, not just a week, twenty years, and I got him to fall into fornication." And he said, get this man a robe and a ring. <laughs> he has brought down the mighty. Okay? Because the devils hate people working on their righteousness. They hate people growing in virtue. Alright? They're not looking to trip you up. They're looking to destroy you. I think what this talks about with wise counsel waging wars is kind of like waking up to this concept that we are in a spiritual war and we can't survive it 
we can't come to the end of it and be told good and faithful servant without having a plan and without having guidance. However, this is me just talking. It's not from the, from the church fathers. This is my own contemplation on this. Um, and this is one that I'd want to read up more on. I think it relates really well back to what you were saying last week when you were talking about having how it's important to have a wise counsel um, to guide you and stuff. Um, and I think it can be applied really well to this verse because, like, if you think about it, if you are struggling with a sin, you can't just get up one day and be like, okay, I'm going to defeat it. Like, you will need, like you said, like a plan of action and go to someone that does know more than you do and mm. does have more experience um, and like more than you do. Um, so to plan out your plan of attack. So mm. just like with waging a war, you can't just be like, get up and the king will like, okay, I'm going to attack this country. Like, you know, you have to plan out how you're going to do everything. Uh, and obviously the wiser the council, the better your, um, your like, chance of actually defeating and winning the war is. Yeah. It does, it does match, actually, with that one. Verse 13. Oh, sorry. Yeah? Um. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. Mm. What do you think that's saying? I'm not entirely sure, but... This one I do get. Is that like you're satisfied with the simple things in life? That where the bread comes in? Mm, not so much. Don't be lazy. So think about this verse from the spiritual sense and then think what it says, what it means. Oh, so we can physically sleep. That's great. <laughs> I was going to say, what? <laughs> so do not love sleep spiritually, right? Lest you come to poverty spiritually. Open your eyes spiritually. I'm going like trying to make it make it, and you will be satisfied with spiritual bread. What does that kind of make a bit more sense if I say it that way? Do not love your life as it is, do not be lukewarm. Okay, you've got to wake up and see what's going on around you. Okay, so open your eyes, see where you're doing wrong, see where your faults are. Okay. And see what you're doing good. All right. Open your eyes spiritually. All right. See that you w see what's in front of you, so you can unite with God and have the, the living bread. It, it, this verse is talking about it from a spiritual sense that you shouldn't be um, asleep. You shouldn't be neglectful. I can't remember what word he uses. But anyway, the point is. Don't, like, sleep at the wheel for your spiritual life. That's what he says. Negligent? Yeah, that's not the word he uses, but anyway. <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> like, don't, don't accept where you are now. Okay? Mm. Don't accept that. Always, always try to keep growing. So you, the only way to do that is by seeing what's going on. All right, and I'll even take it another way. Even if you're, if you're not, like, even if I take away that um, uh, idea of not not being satisfied from where you are, 
even if you're not concerned with your spiritual life at all, wake up, buddy, because you you're dying here, right? Nah, <laughs> it's gonna come to me after. All right, so he's saying, open your eyes, see what's going on around you, look at yourself, all right? Because the only way for you to be able to have the bread of life, okay, the only way for you to have that spiritual bread and being satisfied with it is when you appreciate what it truly is. And we can actually touch base on this on Friday, all right, talking about the Holy Eucharist. Okay, about appreciating what it truly is for you. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Verse 2. Yeah. It's also said in um, chapter 19, yeah. kind of. Is there a reason why they repeat it? Like the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion or the wrath of the king. That comes up a lot. Mm. Um, so I think... So with all the commentaries that I read, it's actually talking about a king or a ruler. Like specifically? Specifically a ruler. And I think he was talking what King, uh, king Solomon was talking about was his, his governance. Okay. So it, it talks about that wrath of a lion always re- refers to the, the damage and danger that comes about with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. In terms of like their power, or yeah, so their power, but also the the also the damage that it can do, yep. right? Mm. Getting getting disciplined by that kind of level, you know. Mm. Now we can also apply this to our lives, like the, the idea of how much damage our our own wrath can do to someone else, right? Mm. The the emotional damage that it brings. Possibly the physical damage that it can bring, psychological damage that it brings, right? So then, what does it mean? So whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. The idea behind that is, what a king does, he can take away your life, if you bring him to anger, okay? But if I bring this to ourselves, okay, what makes us angry? provokes our own life is because and I kind of said this before anger makes us do things that we regret and lots of those things are generally sins which could have been prevented right um, when I'm angry ang- I, I use it to swear I use it to judge I use it to covet to, to be um, jealous I use it to wish bad on other people. It's not loving my enemies. It's definitely not making me do good. It's making me do bad. And it, it, it can be a very negative influence in your life. All right? And that can provoke me against my life. It can, it can provoke him to anger. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. Anger can bring that through to you. So that's how I look at it, like, if, if, if we reflect it to ourselves. This was actually being um, spoken of as King Solomon. Um, and, and, and the anger which is brought on to a king can cost you your life. So, like, don't pee off the wrong people kind of thing. I, um, I like verse 22 as well. 
reminder that we are nothing without God and if we try to you know fight evil by ourselves we're we're bound to fail yeah don't repay evil with evil um love your enemies that kind of jazz goes th- goes through that verse for sure mm. don't if I'm to accept that he is the creator and he loves me and he's going to take care of me, then I can kind of let these kind of things go because this doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? If I'm going to let him be the counsellor of my life and I'm going to let wherever he lights up, that's where my footsteps are going to follow. He's the lamp on my feet. It's not me walking where I want. I'm going to walk where he wants me to walk. Then recompensing evil is in the way because that's not where the lamp is shining. Hmm. Any other ones? That's pretty nice, I think. Verse 27, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Yeah. That goes, yeah. And we, and we kind of spoke about this one before as well, so we won't go into too much detail with it. One of my favourites, First First Samuel, chapter 16. That's uh, when David got anointed, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see the man as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that as well. Um, the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. I love always when they talk about light. You know, like I imagine like complete darkness and then he said, let there be light. Like, you know, when you're in like a dark room for a long time and then if a crack of light, like something so small comes in, like it burns your eyes, right? I always imagine that moment, like the whole universe kind of like exploding with this spectacular energy of light. And I love the idea of light because it, where light is, darkness can't be, right? So when he talks about, like, for example, the eyes being the lamp to your soul, right? That's kind of saying this is where you can choose light to enter. And the same place with our heart, if we're consecrated to the Lord and we're being temples of the Holy Spirit, right? Then being a lamp, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, Right, for the inner, searching for the inner depths of their heart, that's what we should be, lights of the world, right? Kind of like a lighthouse, like our light should be shining from inside out, not whitewashed tombs, just an outward appearance. Okay, glory be to God forever, amen.